You're listening to the Thunder Underground Podcast. This is episode 38. My name is Trent, and as always, I'm joined by Jason. How are you? Pretty good. What's going on? You know, same old, same old, just here to talk about music. Hey, that's never a bad thing. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, jumping out right, you know, right off the bat here, the last, I think now three episodes, Yeah. we've talked about someone that, you know, whether they be a living legend, well, at least some of them are, and a couple of them that, you know, we're just fans of, we've lost, you know, musicians, and it's just like a continuing trend over the last few weeks. You know, we had Scott Weiland, we talked about, and then, of course, Lemmy, and, of course, David Bowie, Jason McEnroth, who, for those of you who don't know him, is in the Rollins Band, and Mother Superior, and then now we've got Glenn Fry. That's right. That's right. Glenn Fry of the Eagles passed away yesterday, uh, 67 years old, and uh, it's just crazy. We're losing a lot of them. I mean, and, and I'm sure that uh, you could make the case that this podcast really isn't maybe, you know, we reach out to a lot of Eagles fans. Right. But at the same time, you can't deny a legend and an influence on all kinds of people. So it's definitely worth talking about. <clears throat> and it just brings up a greater point of, you know, we're we're getting on in years and, you know, the the wheels rolling and these guys are getting older and it's just going to keep happening more and, uh, you know... We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna start losing a lot of these guys as we have already. Yeah, and the the thing was in the past two days, not just him, but then we lost Dale Griffin, who is the drummer for, coincidentally, the drummer for David Bowie recently. Yeah, and he was also one of the founders of Mott the Hoople. Yes, and then uh, the drummer for Crosby, Sills, Nash died. Yeah, uh, so just all these, you know legends or or sidemen whatever they're they're all just uh checking out and uh you know it's something we need to recognize and pay tribute and and start trying to pass the torch who's gonna who's gonna be the next ones who's gonna be the 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 next legends yeah because once you get past you know there's there's guys from our you know era like the metallicas and that's right guns and roses so forth you know that well, you know, are considered legends and, you know, you know, are still a ways off, hopefully. But, you know, there's, there's like after that, it kind of falls off. You know? It really so. does. It really does. There's a huge, I mean, where, where is it going to go after that? You know, disturbed? I mean, I don't know. Are they? And I'm just throwing that out as an example. Right. I'm not trying to talk bad about them at all. I'm just saying, is, is that, is that next? I mean, I think Foo Fighters is in that. You know, they could be the next ones. Um, I, I don't know. I just, it's it's hard to say. It really is. Yeah, and like what you were kind of getting on about with all these, you know, we're going to keep losing these guys. I wanted to bring up this note that uh, Mike Portnoy wrote. And he actually wrote it, I think, the day before Glenn Fry died, and then he reposted it. Yes, you know, know. The, the day that he died and said, I can't believe it's been less than 24 hours and I'm already reposting this. Yeah, who, who'd, have, who'd have thought? Right. And he basically wrote a letter and he said, you know, and it starts off and he says, I'm not trying to be morbid, but, you know, you, what we're seeing is something that's going to become all too common because we're getting into the point where all these, you know, musical legends and heroes from the 60s especially 
that came out in the 60s and then moving into the early 70s, these guys are all getting into their 60s and 70s. And so it's going to become more common that you see, you know, guys from major bands just starting to die at a more rapid pace than ever yeah. before. Yeah. And and he basically wrote a letter saying, enlisting everybody that's still alive that had a major influence on him. And he said, I just want to say thank you <laughs> yeah, while thank I still can. <laughs> yeah. And so go look that up, Mike Portnoy's Facebook or Twitter. Check it out. It's a good read. And I think at the end of it, he mentions after he lists everybody, he says, P.S. Keith Richards, you know, keep the world safe for my grandkids. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, I mean, we were mentioning Glenn Fry, and I, I'm one of those people that, you know, the Eagles were always kind of a, not a polarizing band, but there was always a divisive line where you just didn't care or you loved them to death. And I always used to, you know, just tell everybody I hated the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I really never did hate them. I just, you know, when I was younger, I just never really got into it much and always loved Joe Walsh solo and some Don Henley solo songs. But it wasn't until, you know, my girlfriend, who's a major Eagles fan, I, I'm with her, so I hear this stuff all the time. So you start to respect this stuff more as you get older. Definitely. You know, and you, of course, as we've talked about on this podcast many times, you get older, you're... You know, you you start to listen to more stuff and go back and listen to stuff that you skipped over when you were younger because you yeah. were narrow minded or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. You 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 didn't you weren't having it back then. Right. <laughs> so when the dude said, "I hate the fucking Eagles, man," I finally had a hero saying this, but <laughs> I never truly believed it. So. Well, yeah. I, I I tell you what, I think uh, their documentary. Oh yeah. On Netflix, I you know the the. the the proper title of it escapes me right now. The History of the Eagles. Okay, The History of the Eagles. I don't care if you like the Eagles or don't like the Eagles. I don't care if you're 15 and want to start a, a death metal band or you know, you're know you in a country band or a ska band. It doesn't matter. Anybody that is in a band, loves music, you know, breathes the stuff eats this stuff, sleeps this stuff, needs to see this movie. This is one of the coolest rock documentaries and kind of biography movies you're ever going to see. I recommend it to anybody. And I'm not even a big Eagles fan. Kind of like you, I never really... I don't hate them, and I I understand and respect and you know what they do. I just was never a huge fan. But you've got to see this movie. It's, it's so good, and it's just a really good look into... Uh, <clears throat> how this kind of stuff works and Don Felder's a dickhead. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, they that was really good. They go into extreme detail, you know, from the beginnings clear up to now and they go through all the dysfunction and everything. None of them hold back. Uh, none of, yeah, none of them hold back. So it, yeah, like you said, it's just a great music documentary for anyone that's a fan of music, which is most people yep. that are breathing, you know. And just one more side note. You know, I'm sorry I have to say it. In this in this movie, Joe Walsh, who was like the craziest and most loose cannon of all loose cannons, even he's smart enough to go, you know, is it what's good for the Eagles, not just you? What's <laughs> good for the group? So that attitude goes a long way. Yeah. And on another random note, <laughs> um, even though the Eagles are known, you know, as being this kind of country rock crossover band. And Glenn Fry had a major part in that because that's his style more than the other ones, I think, especially Joe Walsh. But um, 
the heat is on from the eighties. Oh man, it's like you belong to the city. But but no, I mean when you think of that, that's like the perfect, you know, kind of like we talked about before with Rev- Revolution Saints. It's like encapsulates <laughs> the whole sound of an era, and oh, it makes definitely. you think of. I don't know, was that on a movie? But it makes you think of. I think a, it was on Beverly Hills Cop, wasn't it? And there you go. It makes me think of the eighties. And the movies, like, that's just, like, the perfect encapsulation of that era. You it, know? it definitely is. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, enough of this sadness. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully next week we're not talking about someone else. And let's just get into this episode 38 right now. get into this episode like we usually do and just kick right into some music for you and we've got a band called omega diatribe that is out of budapest hungary that's right we're going international yeah this is the first i think you know we we've posted some stuff on our social media and talked about bands but i think this is the first international band that we're playing right yes and uh we're really glad they uh sent us some stuff and we're happy to play them Let's get right into this. It's called Hydrozoan Periods.
go, Hydrozone periods from the Omega Diatribe. Once again, out of Budapest, Hungary. This band features Kevin Talley on drums, who, you know, this dude's a monster on the drums. He's been with all kinds of bands, Suffocation, Six Feet Under. He was in, you know, a touring member of Battlecross for a while. Just all kinds of great heavy hitters. Yeah, didn't didn't he uh, do some stuff with soil work for a while? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, what do you... Well, I want to say I, I was, you know, looking at some stuff about this band. I read a review that someone wrote, and I think it was about the entire EP. And they mentioned that a lot of this reminds them of of Meshuggah, but with a drummer that sounds like they're a real person, <laughs> which I thought was a cool a cool way to put it. Because when you listen to a lot of bands like that, you you know you can tell, you know, they're using a you know drum machine or whatever. Yeah, and this obviously comes across as as drums, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I get where somebody can say, you know, Meshuga, that is very prominent. But at the same time, I hate to, I hate to do the whole. This band is for fans of this and for fans of that. Oh, I wouldn't say that anyway because I'm not a fan of Meshuga. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and I'm a fan of this. <laughs> oh, okay. Well then, so see, then that's exactly why I don't like that, and right. you know, dispels that myth. But uh, I just, uh, this is a great song. It's just, just balls out, just pedal to the metal the whole way. I mean, this is the good stuff, really. I mean, if you're a metal fan, this is the stuff we just, you know, we can just sink our teeth into. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys, uh, they know what they're doing, and they're going for it, and I uh, hope to hear a lot from them. Yeah, it's kind of cool, like a few, you know, I've said this with a few bands over the last few months that we've played that I like it whenever you can hear several different styles or genres kind of blended together. Yeah. And with this, you definitely hear that that groove metal, you know, that 90s kind of groove metal style that, you know, bands like Pantera or White Zombie or something perfected. And then, but you also hear like a new wave of American heavy metal, you know, kind of guitar sound at times too. And then there's just something about the the vocals and the whole song itself that just seems darker than that stuff. So it kind of, it doesn't sound like a death metal song or anything, but it, it has that kind of spirit, I guess, if that's a good way to say it. That's a great way to put yeah. it. So it's just kind of cool that all this stuff kind of comes together and this whole thing's on, a, on an EP. They've got like, I think it's six songs on there and they're all great and... Like you said, hopefully, hopefully we hear more from these guys in the future. Yeah, they're on uh, Bandcamp, right? Yes. Yeah, they're band. You can listen to them on Bandcamp and on their Facebook page, and you can buy the music there as well. So go find them, like them, support them, buy their music, check them out, so we can hear more from these guys. Maybe we'll get them in America. We could see them live at some point too. That would be awesome. All right, what are we? Uh, moving right along. Moving right along. There was a. Uh, <laughs> Two or three episodes in a row. <laughs> yes. Where, where you brought up... Too many episodes in a row, <laughs> damn it. You're like, have you listened to the new Anthrax song, Breathing Lightning? And my answer was like, no, I haven't. Yeah, because and, you're lame. Right? I listened to Evil Twin like 30 times. Yeah. But I just never got around to listen to Breathing Which Lightning. Which is a great song. Yes. But I finally listened to this, so... And I know you've already talked about it, but I wanted to talk about it again since I can contribute. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Let's do it. <laughs> This, from the first time I heard it, blew my mind. I'm not going to, I don't want to try to over, you know, exaggerate this, but 
you know, I, I'm a major fan of Anthrax, obviously, that style of music, but I'm also a major fan of hard rock, melodic hard rock. Mm-hmm. And this song is like straight up, like the chorus of this thing is, I think, probably the happiest sounding Anthrax song ever. Yeah. yeah. Even though, you know, the lyrics aren't necessarily that way, but the just, you know, Joey's vocals and that guitar, you know, in the especially in the chorus is just this yeah, huge it, thing where it's just... It's an insane melody. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's a, you know, like a, a, it has a real positive anthem-y kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it sticks in your head like crazy glue. Kind of like Safe Home did. Yeah, exactly. You know, from We've Come For You All back when John Bush was still in the band. And that's, it's the same way, just got this huge chorus that's stuck in your head. And the other thing is, if for those of you that aren't, you know, huge anthrax geeks like us, you might not know that when Joey Belladonna first auditioned for the band, one of the songs he auditioned with was Keep On Running by Journey. And I think with this song and the style of that, you know, melodic chorus, like that is that influence is more evident than ever. Oh, definitely. Just the what you know, I'm not saying this sounds like Journey. I'm just saying that his voice, you know, it still sounds exactly like Joey Belladonna, but when you add that sound behind him, it just, you can say, oh yeah, I could see this guy was totally into that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, his his vocals just seem to keep getting better and better. Which is just, crazy. Yeah, yeah, just crystal clear, and it, it, it really, you know, and this song's great, we know that, and that's what we're talking about, and I, you know, more than usual when I heard this song, I just think back to... When we were in Chicago on the train going to Riot Fest, and that kid was talking to his friend about bands that, that were going to be there, and he's like, I saw Anthrax is going to be there, but you know, I saw them a couple years ago, and they're just so old, and it was just sad. And I, I just cannot fathom that in my fucking head, how that could be remotely true. Physically, yes, they're old. they've been around more years than us. But their spirit and their their drive and their talent and their energy uh, and their physicality, they are not older. They are just, I mean, I just don't understand what this dumbass kid meant because this band is, is anything but sad. And it just they just get better every time they put out a fucking CD. It's insane. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you've got Evil Twin and Breathing Lightning... I mean, I just can't imagine what the rest of this CD is going to sound like. I can't wait. Yeah, there's never been any point in their career where I didn't like an album. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I can't say that about most bands that have been around this long because obviously there's Metallica I don't care for. There's Megadeth I don't care for. Yeah. You know, even Slayer. You know, there's some stuff I just don't really listen to that's kind of somewhere in the middle there. But Anthrax, it's like every single album. I freaking love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and another, like a cool thing about kind of this new stuff they're putting out is, you know, the, the, the hard rock crowd, you know, that's into the disturbs and the five finger death punches and the Rob zombies, they can latch onto this stuff. And also the, the real, you know, metalheads, the slayers and the testaments and, you know, all that can latch onto this stuff. I mean, it's, it's got that broad appeal without, you know, compromise anything or sounding dumb. I mean, they really, they they really captured this time around for sure. Yeah, and John denies the solo on this thing, 
is pretty badass itself. Yeah. It's yeah. got a, it's got a, it's even kind of fits into that whole, you know, kind of like we said, that melodic hard rock vibe as well. Yeah. Without sounding, without straying from anthrax. You know yeah. And, and it sounds like him. He's kind of got his squeals and stuff that he would do in the solos with Shadows Fall. Uh, you can tell it's him. And uh, he, he was a, he was a good get for that band, by the way. Yeah. And speaking of, I know Shadows Fall was playing or planning some shows. I think they played some last year again. Mm. So hopefully we get lucky and, you know, once Anthrax concludes this album cycle, we yeah. get some more Shadows Fall again. That would be awesome. Right. But speaking of other new music, you know, months and months ago, well, I think it was before the press conference before the final Motley Crue tour. Yeah. Mick Mars made the statement that he would love to work with John Karabi again after Motley Crue was done. That's right. And of course, you know, we wet our pants with glee. <laughs> but then in the back of my mind, I was probably like, eh, this probably you, won't happen. You wet your pants. I was just kind of stoked, but still right. cool. But you wet your pants. That's cool. Right. And then maybe a month or two ago, Karabi, you know, made news whenever he basically said, this is happening. Yeah. So yeah. they finally got somewhat of a confirmation. And then this past weekend, they both posted photos from the studio in Nashville of them working together. So this is definitely a thing that's happening right now. This is happening, Trent. Yes. So this is, yeah, we're 22 years after the release of one of the greatest hard rock albums of all time, which is Motley Crue with John Karabi on vocals. Damn right. <laughs> and Damn right. We're finally getting, you know, this is basically the sound of that because you've got the guitarist and the singer, you know, which yeah. is the biggest sound of any band for the most part. So they didn't really give any indication other than, you know, Mick Mars said something like, it's great to get back in here doing some loud, greasy rock and roll again. So, you know, it's probably going to have the same vibe of that, I would think. I hope so. I hope so. But even if not, you know, everything... Krabi does is great and everything McMars has done has been great so I what I mean what is your take you think it's going to be well here 94 sounding or what what I think I always liked McMars to me is a little underrated he's always got a great bluesy kind of nasty mean thing going on on the guitar you know in his solos I just don't think people gave him enough credit because there's so much more bullshit going on in Motley Crue <laughs> right you know? Uh, dumbass fucking drummer in a G string, and you know Nikki Six being strung out all the time, and so it took away from how great McMars was and a horrible singer live. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, so I just really hope that they get back to you know some mean guitar. Uh, I think you know it, it would have to with those two being in on it. Uh, some some gritty vocals, uh, just some riffs, just kick-ass riffs, which, you know, the last the last songs that Motley Crue put out, you know, be it Saints of Los Angeles or the single here or there that they did, I don't know, were, were good songs in the fact that, you know, they were catchy and they were well-constructed, but, you know, it was just, you know, there just wasn't good guitar. You know, so I'm I'm really looking forward to just some some mean snarling guitar, uh, and I'm pretty sure I just I just hope that it's going to sound, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of that. 
Yeah, you would imagine it would, but, yeah. you know, who knows? We'll find out, hopefully sooner than later. Exactly. If they're already in the studio, I would imagine we'll know by summertime at the latest, probably. Yeah, yep. And who knows if these guys are going to go on the road at all, but that would be amazing as well. Yeah, that, that'd be worth, to me, that'd be worthy of a drive somewhere. Yeah. Oklahoma sure. City or at Dallas or something. For sure. Yeah. All right, we want to play another song now. And this is a band that we've actually played before, but we just want to play them again because we love them so much. Yeah, and they're so badass. Yes, they're called Oklahoma Braves, and they're out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the first time that we played them, we played them on an episode that we had Kyle shut from the sword of, sword on, excuse me. And we played a couple of their songs, but we want to play a third song for you now called El Chupacabra.
right, that was El Chupacabra from Oklahombres. Once again, like I said, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Features Steve Ray, who most people in the area know from Pitbulls on Crack. And like we talked about last time, this is a lot different than Pitbulls on Crack. Yeah. This also features some guys that were in Doomsday Junkie with him as well, and it's more along the lines of that. Yeah. But even, I think, a little more, you know, I don't know what the right word is, you know, because I know Doomsday was groovy, but, you know, there's just something about this which just sets itself apart, I think. Yeah, I like the, uh, <clears throat> his vocals are really just like, you know, just going for it on this song. And, and I kind of like the, the guitar lines going on under the vocals, um, you know, gives it a, a good little vibe. Uh, and then the, the wah-wah pedal stuff, you know, I, you know, you know me, I'm a guitar guy, so yeah, I just gravitate towards that, but that's what grabbed me. So, uh, once again, another great song from these guys they, they can't, they can't let us down. Yeah. Check out the other songs they've got posted, which are Polecat and Bushwhacker. All three of these, you know, there's just grooves and riffs for days and, you know, great melodic stuff. Like you said, awesome guitar. Awesome rhythm section and his his vocals through this whole thing is just badass. Let's try it. Play it loud. Yeah, this is yeah this is the type of thing that just yeah deserves to be cranked the hell up. <laughs> yes. All right, we wanted to throw out a a mention to something we hadn't talked about in quite a while, which is a thing that we do on Instagram, and I know we you know we post on Facebook as well, but it's called Lost Classic which is where we take an album that we, you know, that we really dug that either was by a, a big band, their album that just kind of fell under the radar, or if it was, you know, just a band that never really got really that big. And just a couple of days ago, you posted Slave to the System. That's right. And, you know, this is a band that featured uh, Damon Johnson, from Brother Kane, as well as Scott Rockenfeld from Queensryche, and Kelly Gray that used to be in Queensryche, mm -hmm. and then who oh, Roman Glick. Roman Glick, who, who... Who was in Brother Kane way back. And now he's in and, Jackal. Yes. And so just kind of <clears throat> talk about this, like what you... Well, I, uh, I don't know why I hadn't thought about this album before. Uh, this album is uh, 15, 16 years old. Uh, it's called Slave to the System. That's the name of the band in the, in the album, I guess. I thought it came out just like mid-2000s. I, I think, well, I don't know. I looked up when they formed, and it said 2000, so the record might have been 2002 or so. Oh, okay. 2003. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I might not totally be correct, but in that era. Right. And, uh, you know, two guys from Brother Kane, two guys from Queensryche, we jumped all over it. Right. And I just, I really liked, it's just real good stripped down. I think it's what, like, it's kind of what I wish, I had wished that, like, the radio rock, that's a direction I wished it would have went in at the time. And I think that if, if this album had caught on and people had, if it blown up, maybe could have influenced all that to go in a little bit more of an honest direction. Um, there's just crazy, crazy songs as far as songwriting and structure and, you know, catchiness. 
the guitar the guitar tone on this album is insane. It's like this like gnarly dry, you know, overdrive. It's not it's not like insanely distorted, but it's like really like honest and just just dry and I, I don't know. I I it's I, I I have hard time describing it, but it's just crazy awesome. And I don't know if that's Kelly Gray or Damon Johnson. I'm not really sure where that comes into play. <clears throat> but it's just like, it's so smart. And, you know, I think uh, <clears throat> standout tracks would be Stigmata. Uh, there's a song on there called Disinfected, which is just insane. I mean, it just, it just rips a hole through anything. Uh, so, you know, check out our Instagram uh, hashtag lost classic. You'll find it. Uh, it's just, it's just one more, one more notch in Damon Johnson's belt of yeah. how talented and, and multifaceted this guy is. And it's just, uh, you know, it kind of fell by the wayside. So we wanted to give it a mention for sure. And I think if maybe if it had came out five, 10 years later, yeah. Based off of the fact that there's, you know, and you think in the past five, six years, there's been tons of super groups. Oh, I know. And several know. of them have been unbelievable. Yeah. And I think if you'd come, if it had come out in this more recent time period, with, and you have the names Queensryche, Brother Kane, and even now Thin Lizzy. Since, yeah. Yeah. You know, Damon Johnson's got that credit now. Exactly. It's and like Alice Cooper and whatnot. Right. It would, uh, I think it would have done better if it had come out a little later. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely go check that out. Um, and like Trent says, if this band had been just a few years later, and maybe, maybe, or a few years sooner. True. Yeah, it, I don't know. I think things could have been different. But uh, in any case, you know, I, I, it's on Spotify. I'm sure you get physical copies somewhere. But, but it's definitely worth digging around and looking for. Yeah, and speaking of Damon Johnson, this guy, you know, has been a favorite of both of ours, you know, since we first heard him. Oh, for years. And he's another one of those guys that is criminally underrated. Yeah. And even though he's had a lot of success and continued, you know, especially in the last 10 years with Alice Cooper, Thin Lizzy, Black Star Riders, but he's still just a guy that is under the radar to most people. Yeah, it, it, it's... It's insane, you know. I'll go to the I'll go to the fucking store, and you know there's a Fallout Boy on the cover of Guitar World or whatever, and you know, Damon Johnson's never been on the cover of Guitar World. The guy knows the guitar inside and out. Uh, it, yeah, it's just way underrated. And you know, you know, we're all about underrated stuff, underdog stuff. So this is right up our alley. You know, we love yeah. this guy, and more people need to need to know about him. Yeah, the first, you know, most people that, you know, are around back then remember at least one or two Brother Kane songs. And, of course. You know, but when that album came out, in, it was a 93, mm -hmm. um, that whole, that thing just, to me, you know, we've talked before about how that, you know, early 90s, you know, was just a cool period of of rock music because you had all the, the 80s rock, you know, still around. Yeah. Some of those guys putting out some awesome albums and then you had all the, you know, Alice in Chains and Sound Gardens, and then on the other side, the Black Crows, and just all this stuff coming together at once in, you know, like, 91 to 94. Yeah. And 
this this band came out right in the midst of that and kind of fit with all that because it was just kind of like this sound that crossed like the the dirty you know early guns and roses with like the blues of black crows and yeah. just combined it into that's just a, like this awesome sound you know that's a good way of putting it i was just kind of thinking about how i'd describe it and you kind of hit the nail on the head i think they're i think they're more a band from the south instead of southern rock yeah because they they rock and they have all that and they're from the south and you can hear that but they don't really have a southern rock thing. Maybe it's just in there a little bit. But uh, you know, they they don't they don't sound as cheesy sometimes, you know, as some of those bands did. And uh their first their their debut album is just a masterpiece. I mean, it's it was our first concert at the Canes, was Brother Kane. Uh, or all mine, right. you know. Mine was Striper. Yeah, well, that's that's a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just so just for, from from that from that moment on, that just you know this band and Damon Johnson really struck a chord with me. He's a he was a front man and he also was the lead guitar player and he was just a, the whole package. And uh, they had two uh, Brother Kane had two other albums, uh, but they just weren't. Which were good. It's just they didn't, they didn't quite connect as with me as much as the first one did. So uh, yeah, I remember. But they were still, they're still all amazing. Yeah, and there's yeah. great tracks on there. Yeah, know? but yeah, I'm the same way. That first one is just up there as one of my top albums, probably. Yeah, yeah ever. it's like a desert island album. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even that second album, you know, with like. Uh, 2020 Faith, uh, yeah. Voice of Eugenia, Breadmaker, Full Shine On, yeah. you know, Wish Pool, you know, had great stuff on it too, but... Machete. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean... But that... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that first one, man, it's just like every single track. I mean, it has... Mm-hmm. The Road is one of my favorite ballads of all time. You know, Woman is just this great epic, you know, yeah. song that just builds, uh, you know, and... Pressure... Right. Fuck, man. Hard <laughs> act to follow. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, it's And then just... the, the radio songs, That Don't Satisfy <clears throat> Me and Got No Shame. Yeah. You know, are both, you know, classic. And it's just, I saw I saw Damon Johnson live about three, two or three years ago now at a small club where it was just him solo. Yeah. And it was just him with an acoustic guitar. And it's one of my favorite shows I've seen in recent memory. And... He just, I mean, he played a few Brother Kane songs. He played a couple Alice Cooper songs, a few Thin Lizzy songs. And he didn't play any Slave to the System songs, sorry. (laughs) It's all right. You know, you win some, you lose some. Right. A couple other covers, like uh, I think a Waylon Jennings song and a Leonard Skinner song. But it was just, you know, I mean, it just showed how awesome of a songwriter this guy is. Because you could strip any of you know their songs down to an acoustic guitar, and it's still amazing. Yeah, and that's how you know you've got a really good song. Yeah, and he he played his solo stuff too, which is a long. All his solo stuff is most of it's that way, where it's just him and an acoustic guitar. Yeah, maybe a piano. I I had a question for you. That song on his solo album with Alice Cooper. Right. God, I what was that song even called? I I heard it today. Drawing a blank. Generation Landslide. Oh, yeah. Well, was that... 
is that an acoustic version of something? I think or is it, that an original song? Well, I think it was on an Alice Cooper album too. Okay, maybe. because it just they do it acoustic, and I'm like, this sounds like this should be heavy, right? You know. Well, you know, did you recognize "Just Feel Better"? Because that's a that was the Santana with Steven Tyler song. Oh Lord! And it was a big hit. Yeah. But, I forgot he's worked with Steven Tyler, yeah. But he wrote that song. That's right. And that's why it's on that album. See, and that and that's the thing is, uh, you know, he's wrote for other people. Uh, he was almost in Damn Yankees, or he was for like five minutes. Right. Because I think if you if you Google it, there's pictures of him with Damn Yankees. So I, I don't mean, know if I've ever seen that. Yeah, I, th- it's, I don't know. that. That's like ringing a bell somehow. I don't know. Um, Google it, find out. I don't know, you know, but I mean, and the guy tried to do a country thing for a while. He was in a band called Whiskey Falls that I don't know if they really went anywhere, but I mean, he's tried everything. He's done it all. He's, he's a musician's musician for sure. Well, and like we mentioned, Alice Cooper, I mean, he, Alice Cooper puts together a band that he doesn't fuck around. It's no, not like I'm just going to, it's the best of the best. Right. And it's always been that way, you know? And, yeah. And he's always had awesome guitarists. And Damon Johnson, you know, even going back to when we were younger, I never thought, oh, Damon Johnson is an awesome guitarist. Yeah. Even though he was, I just thought, this is that dude that sings from Brother Kane. Exactly. You know, until you see him and realize, <clears throat> listen to it. Like you said, it's a lead guitarist. And, you know, he just is amazing across the board. Yeah. And then and then now he's in, you know, he did the Thin Lizzy thing, which turned to Black Star Riders. And, I mean, that that's a... Uh, that stuff is just going for the throat, yeah. for sure. You know that's that's perfect rock and roll, and it's way it's more it's way more popular in Europe right now than in over here. But you know what what can you do? Yeah, if you're not familiar with Black Star Riders, it's it's basically the the recent version of Thin Lizzy, and they decided to change the name to record new music. Which, which, you know, uh, is pretty pretty cool. Cause, that's a good idea. Well, yeah, but I mean, even saying there's <laughs> been bands that, that didn't do that. Yeah. And they could have easily recorded an album under the name Thin Lizzy and might have sold a few more copies just based off the name. Yeah. But, but they had a lot of, I think they had a lot of respect for the name. So. Right. And yeah. with Phil Gone, it's like, you know, everyone knows, eh. <laughs> yeah. It's not really Thin Lizzy, but it's, you know, you've still got Scott Gorm, it's... You know, but it's cool that they decided to change the name and record new music. Yeah. And you go see Black Star Riders live, of course, they're playing the Thin Lizzy songs and the songs from their two albums. And they're, like you said, it's just great hard rock and roll, you know. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah, it's like a hammer in the face, just riffs, uh, you know, and, and it's still got the uh, the twin kind of guitar thing going on, like Thin Lizzy. So it's uh, it's just great stuff. Well, do we have anything else we want to mention about Damon before we move on? I, I, th- I think we're good. I think, uh, you know, it, it's funny how this came about. You know, it came about by me wanting to do the the Lost Classics. So we thought, let's just make that, you know, one of the main points of this episode. So it was cool to, it was cool to get to talk, talk about him and, uh, you know, shed some light on how great of a musician this guy is. Yeah, I implore you, if you're a fan of Brother Kane or any of this stuff, check out his solo stuff just because it's so, I mean, you know, everybody likes some laid back stuff now and then, and it's just cool to hear these guys, you know, I mean, we've, you know, you think of it, we've been kind of lucky that several dudes that we 
are big fans of that are from the hard rock world have also done stuff like this with like John Karabi and Joe Altier and yeah. Zach Wild. You know, Damon Johnson's just another one of those guys that can span the whole gamut of it and just sound great at either end of it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's good, good stuff to put on Sunday morning when you're you know nursing a hangover, trying, yeah. to, trying to chill out. So. <laughs> yeah, Pontiac is just an amazing feel-good song. That was a good song. That yeah. was a good song. I agree. All right, well, you uh, mentioned to me, I have not read this story, but you said that Dave Mustaine yeah. made a, some kind of comment that Dave Ellison isn't a founding member of Megadeth. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, a lot of times I'll just see a headline and I'll just go on because I'm at work or I'm busy or whatever. Uh, but I saw this headline a couple different places i'm like okay i gotta click on this dave mustaine was talking about how dave ellison wasn't a founding member of megadeth and i don't know you know dave mustaine has said a lot of crap over the years and and you don't know if it's him or if it's the media fucking with him right or and, and you know a lot of a lot of times someone will just They'll take a part from a quote and, you know, so I don't know. But the gist of it was, you know, he said that somebody asked him, you know, when you and when you and Elfson started the band, did something, something, something. And he goes, well, now, <clears throat> really, you know, Elfson, me and Elfson didn't start it. I started it. It was a, a different name. But you know, and all this stuff. So it's like, well, if it was, if it was, if it was a different name, then it wasn't Megadeth. So Megadeth right. started with, and it's just, and I don't know, you don't know what to believe. But didn't he in his so book, I don't know. Didn't he in his book talk about how, you know, he was playing in his apartment guitar, and then Dave knocks on the door. Yeah. You know, and then that's how they met, and then they start jamming together. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of makes you a founding member, I would think, if like you're. And there, there's only one guy. Yeah, true. And he's but, not calling it Megadeth. I mean, but you know, if Dave Mustaine might have had the notion to start a band the the minute he got on the bus after Metallica kicked him off, right? You know, and that was going to be his band. So maybe, maybe that's when it was founded. That's true. You never know, right? And so it, it's just it's just weird. But I mean, in my eyes. You know, there are two original members that have always been there. Yeah. So, it, it to me, it's pretty cut and dry, but I'm just a fan. I'm not in the band, so who knows? Right. I, I'm, you know, maybe he'll, you know, he, he's on the Josta show Thursday. Maybe he'll say something about it. Who knows? Right. I don't know. Well, but, yeah, even yeah. if you're not technically a founding member, you're, he was, he's part of the first incarnation of the band. Yeah, yes. And then, of course, that band went on and recorded the first album, so it's like... Yeah, in all for all intents and purposes, that's what you look at as. Oh, exactly. As the original band, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think he's good for you know in the wild, crazy world of Dave Mustaine. I think he's a good balance. Oh yeah. For the band and for the the whole the whole process they've got going on there. Right. And it, it bummed me out when he wasn't in the band. So I'm glad that you know he's there. And to me, he's you know founding. You know, he's original, anyways. Yeah. So. And that's another album that we're looking forward to that's supposed to be out in, I think actually, it's, it's like next week. Yeah, Friday, I think. It's going to oh, be this nuts. this Friday? Okay. I think. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm pretty sure. We'll have to look at it again. 
Yeah. Well, regardless, it's soon, so we'll probably be talking about that on the next episode. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And also, speaking of new albums, the Killswitch Engage just announced the release date of theirs, which is March 19th. I can't remember. It's mid-March. And they also announced their full uh, tour dates for this spring. And they're touring with Memphis Mayfire and 36 Crazy Fists. That's a lot of fists. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> and they are playing several places in our area. They're playing in Oklahoma City. They're playing in Dallas. Dallas, KC. Yeah. I think Memphis. And, you know, so it's just, if you're anywhere in the country, it looks like they're kind of covering all bases. So, yeah, and they're a great act to see live. Yeah, they definitely. And I, I don't know if we talked about this. I think we did on the. I don't know. I don't think we did since the podcast started, but. You know, I always, this probably sounds blasphemous to most Killswitch fans, but I always kind of lean towards Howard Jones mm-hmm. as I liked him better. Nothing against Jesse Leach. I just just love Howard Jones, you know. And, you know, so when he, when he left and they got Jesse back, I wasn't disappointed, but I was just like, I wasn't pumped about it. Yeah. And then that album came out, and I thought, well, this album's cool. I dig this a lot. And then we saw him at Rocklahoma uh in 2014 yes and seeing jesse leach live just like totally put me over the top like oh yeah like this dude this okay now i get it you know yeah it, that was that was one of if not the best set i saw at rocklahoma that year yeah it was insane and i've seen that band a few times but always with howard jones right. so i was so glad even if it was you know a 40 minute set at rocklahoma i was glad to get to see them and yeah, Jesse Leach is an insane front man, and I think he was, after the whole thing with Howard Jones went down, he was really the only choice to be back in that band. Yeah, and they, actually I saw today too that they, that he mentioned there's going to be a new Times of Grace album as well. Really? Which was the band with him and Adam D, you know, and it, you know, a lot of people loved it because, you know, they had been missing Jesse in the band. Yeah. And so you figured once he's back in the band, that's what's really the point you know yeah I'm not saying there's not a point to it but it's just kind of i never thought it would happen so it's kind of cool to happen just because it gives us more more music that's right, right. and you, you never go wrong with more music <laughs> right especially from people you like that's right all right i think that covers most of what we had on the table this week right yeah yeah i think so uh you know um just uh getting the year going uh you know there's not a lot of uh, you know, opportunities to get to snag interviews, you know, with uh, some of these bands coming through. So we've just kind of been doing these uh, talking episodes, and it uh, looks like people are liking them. I enjoy doing them. And uh, so, you know, hope you guys like and share and tell us what you guys think. If there's something you guys want us to talk about, or, you know, if you want to bitch about something, let us know. Uh, but I think, uh, I think we've, uh, Got it wrapped up for this week. Yeah, you can always, like we usually mention, go back and check out older episodes. We've got interviews with everybody from members of Warrant to members of The Obsessed. Yeah. And Overkill. Yep. Sons of Texas. Uh, Richie from Insight. Yeah, Miss May I. We just kind of, we cover everything like we always talk about. We love hard rock, we love heavy metal, and everything in between. And... We recently had a best of 2015 episode where we go through our favorite albums of last year, which is, which was an amazing year for music. 
Yes, definitely. And like you mentioned, we've, you know, had a few episodes now without interviews, but we've actually got at least two or three in the works right now. So we'll be back on that. And we've also got likely an episode coming talking about a preview of Rocklahoma. Yes. We'll have a special guest on that. And then we've also talked about doing an all Motley Crew episode since they came to a close here a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll also have a special guest on that one. Exactly. So be looking for those if you're fans of Rocklahoma or Motley Crew, which you probably are if you're listening. That's right. It's on its way. Yep. And as always, go to thethunderunderground.com. You can find all our podcasts on there, find reviews, you know, find all the lost classics there as well. You can also go to Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. All those are The Thunder Underground. If you're a band with music that you want us to play, shoot us an email at thethunderunderground at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. And that's pretty much it. I think that does it. All right. Until next time, see you later. (laughs) 